Team Sports, baby, they are back. Kevin Bowen, Pacers time here on Kevin's Corner, another edition of the pod. Chris Presley across the way. Happy Friday to those of you listening to this. In the day that we get the pod up and live to you, the Pacers fresh off their first scrimmage down in the bubble of Orlando. Man, kudos to the NBA. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not an easy operation to pull off. Maybe I'm cursing it. But so far, so good down there. Yeah. I saw a great quote the other day from uh, Jeff Passan, the MLB writer, who quoted a player that said, um, the only way this can screw up is if horny guys on a road trip don't behave. (laughs) So I guess the same could be said for the NBA. This is a pretty long road trip uh, in Orlando, and if they can break someone through the bubble, uh, (laughs) you know, that could, oh, boy. Who knows? Again, so far, so good. And in all seriousness, this is a hell of an operation that they're trying to pull off. And I don't know what you thought, Chris. I think you were watching the game yesterday. I mean, it, it's not bad. You know, no. it's, it's it's pretty good. And in 2020, that's damn good. And they've been thinking about the marketing. Like, you look at the Pacers, they're the home team, so they get all the signage and all right, the advertising. Right, right. And, you know, that's kind of your home court advantage, quote-unquote. Um yeah, but, a lot, but, but I liked it. A lot of Kroger ads on the on the sideline yeah. yesterday, and uh, when the Pacers had the ball in the half court, it was you heard like the Indy car sound to it and everything. So, I just, I just miss team sports. Yeah, flat out, you know. And I I miss watching T.J. McConnell's just crazy energy and facilitating everything. I, you know, missed watching Doug McDermott shoot the basketball and T.J. Warren attempt shots, and I'm like, that's a bad shot, and it goes in. <laughs> Just all those things about it, um, I miss. So, you know, again, I, I, I speak for everyone. Obviously, with Major League Baseball as well, it'll be a little bit more difficult. But hopefully, um, this can go without a glitch, really. And um, it was just, it, for the first time in four months, I'm watching a live sporting event, and I'm writing off it, and now yep. we're talking about it. Like, that's awesome. That, that that is awesome, and uh, at times I probably took my job for for granted. So thank you NBA for uh, giving us a little bit of life right now. Yeah, and so what are your thoughts? I, I was telling uh, one of our coworkers here in the office yesterday watching that game. Un- unfortunately, the circumstances made them play like this. But do you think they're going to use any of what they're doing right now for this potential tournament, midseason tournament next year or moving forward or whatever? Yeah, you know, I, I am curious about that. Obviously, to get some intrigue in midseason would be great. Um, I find it interesting, you know, potentially them saying, oh, you know, the winner of a midseason tournament gets an extra lottery pick or, you know, something like that. Is that enough incentive for these players? You know, because in the back of my mind, and I, and I do believe we have a Twitter question about this today, like load management is always at the forefront of of everything. And, and, and that's just my concern is like, what level of energy are these guys playing with, you know, in mid-December potentially? And I mean, are you starting a season now a little bit later? You mm-hmm. know, um, I think that's a very real question. Obviously you will next season, but moving forward, is that something where you try to get away from the NFL calendar, things like that? So, you know, it, it did have a bit of a summer league feel to it at times yesterday. Again, it's a scrimmage. So I don't want to um, get too crazy with it, but um, still, if if the NBA can uh, can execute this and pull this off, man, uh, give them an SB. Yeah, and talking going back to the load management, Vic and yeah. and some of the other starters. What are your thoughts on on those guys? Yeah, you know, I, I 
I guess we'll just get into the Oladipo stuff here. Um, today's pod will obviously talk a lot about Victor and then Orlando and, and, and just a potential lineup for the Pacers and an outlook as they get uh, their eight-game regular season restart. But let's 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 hit on Victor right here. You know, um, I wrote it as my lead a few stories ago on Victor, and I think it's even more true. And yesterday after the game was another example of it. This feels like an episode of The Bachelor. It feels like an episode of The Real World. We're going to send this person home, then we're going to bring them back, and we're going to create this drama and this story around it, and it almost feels like that's what Victor's people are doing mm-hmm. with with him. Um, yesterday, he rocks the haters gonna hate um, <laughs> Arthur shirt, PBS yep. Arthur. I loved Arthur growing up. I don't know about you. No, as did I. I was a huge fan of of Arthur. Um, and if the quarantine gets gets back on, I might go back to Arthur, honestly. Um, <laughs> we'll see if Rosie likes it. But, yeah, I mean, this is drama. This is, this is, this is not the Victor Oladipo that I'm used to. Um, let's, let's go back to the decision, I guess, Chris, and Indiana's version of, of the decision, I guess. July 3rd. Victor announces at whatever, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, a holiday weekend via Shams, that he's not going to play in the Orlando bubble. Mm-hmm. It was surprising to me for two reasons. One, 48 hours earlier, he talked about how he felt. Again, this is Victor's words. Victor felt better than he did when they played Boston earlier, you know, in March, their final game before the world ended. And then Kevin Pritchard had spoken, you know, glowingly about where he was at from an individual standpoint. And Nate McMillan talked about getting Victor down to Orlando and five on five settings and all that. So I was surprised by that. And I was also surprised by there was no deadline. There was no need mm-hmm. to all of a sudden get out there and say, I'm not playing in Orlando because I have to make a decision by July 7th. Like, no, no, no. Like the Pacers were like, Vic, you're going to travel. Jeremy Lamb's traveling. Jeremy Lamb's got no chance to play. Like, right. come on down. Let's see how it goes. We'll do whatever you want in practice, as little and as much as you want in practice. Let's see how it goes, and we'll make a decision. And I think Victor seemed open to that. So I was very confused. It was just head-scratching to me. It was like, you know, five-on-five five is kind of like the ultimate gauge for him. Like, he kept on saying that. And I'm kind of like, you're making your decision like – you know, a 15-year-old would make a decision on, say, yeah, I don't want to drive because the parking lot's too scary. Like, no, 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 you, you got to go on the road. Yeah. Like, that. no, 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 that's what matters. Like, you can't – I always find this funny. I'm a son of a driver's ed teacher. My my, my dad is. But for some reason, my mom drove me to um, my driver's test. And she was like, hey, let's just kind of practice parallel parking, but, like, let's do it where there's no cars around. Like, you know, just do it, you know, kind of three open spots there on the side of the road. I'm like, Mom, that's not what they're going to say to me when I get in there. They're going to put make sure that there's two cars and there's one open spot, and you've got to fit the damn vehicle into that spot. Honestly, like, though, mine was that way. Really? They took me to a side street in Noblesville, Indiana, God, and there were no cars around, and they said, go ahead and parallel park. <laughs> that is a joke. And a I, joke. Was, I was like, uh, okay, really? Yeah. This is how we're going to do it. Right. This isn't Mass Ave, you know, (laughs) Friday night at 6 o'clock. And so that's why I was, again, scratching my head of like, wait, wait, Victor has said he he wants to do five on five. Like, that's that's the barometer. That's the ultimate test. And 
Um, now, obviously, he's backtracked on that, and it sounds like he is open to playing, and we'll get into a little bit of that later in the podcast. But I think for me, Chris, this decision and this drama with Victor really clouds the bigger storyline for me. And that is this. Can Victor Oladipo be the lead dog on a championship caliber team? That I mean that that that's the question. Like yeah. that's what Kevin Pritchard and the management of the Pacers have to decide because you're about ready to hit a huge crossroads with him, with Victor of what type of contract do we put in front of him? Is it the big extension this offseason where you'd pay him and extend him more than any other team in the league? Is it you, Victor doesn't want to go there and he wants to wait and play next season, 2020-2021 season, and then the max contract Mm -hmm. could be thrown his way? That is the biggest question for me. And I'm very skeptical. Very, very skeptical. And how much of that matters? You said it's head-scratching for you. The thing that was jarring to me was that decision by Victor was head-scratching to Nate. Like, Oh, yeah. Even the coaching, like, they didn't know until an article came out from a third party. I mean, Nate McMillan's finding out on Twitter. Like, what? Can you imagine? And he did a good job kind of, like, laughing it off and being professional about it. But it's like, that's how you're going to find out from your star player. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Kevin, you got cut from the seventh-grade basketball team. Um, check out the morning newspaper, the school paper tomorrow morning, and find out if you made it or not. Like, what? What? Like, I mean, no, I want to hear from the horse's mouth. And, like, yeah. I want to – I mean, the Pacers have treated Victor Oladipo extremely well with this rehab. Not pushed him at all. Long-term, long-term. Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan and company, they know the Pacers are backed into a corner. They're the small market team. They've got zero leverage. Just tell the freaking head coach – it's not like Nate McMillan's going to go tweet it out. Right. No, go tell Nate, and then Shams tweets it out. I like, come on. It at least gives your PR and, and your coaching staff a, a, a time to sit down, come up with a statement, so when they are asked the obvious question, they know what to say. And, and to me, yes, and I agree with you, and as someone that's worked in public relations and now you know, is a, obviously works collaboratively with a ton of public relations people, yes, you're right. But even just the decency of that's your head – Freaking coach. True. You know? That that rubs me the wrong way. And I guess haters gonna hate, you know, to 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 steal a phrase from, from Vic. But again, l- let's put that to to the side for a second. Let's get back to the question. Is he the alpha physically that you feel like you can ride to the Eastern Conference finals or potentially further? Because that, I mean, that's that is the question, and um, I think it's no, I do, and, and I know that might sound harsh to people, and you know, everyone wants Victor to be the person. You know, you had the long term relationship and the ugly breakup, and then here came the next person in the picture, and this seemed like a dream. It's the IU kid. It's this is my city. He's got the great personality, and I believe Victor is a good human being. Yeah, as do I. I. I I do. I don't think there's like a mal in this. I just think he's got people in his ear that, and this is quarantine life. This is every college kid goes home and their AAU coach and their trainer and all of them tell them how great they are, and then they come back and they tell Matt Matt Painter, hey, uh, where, yeah, I'm gonna transfer, and and, and I'm gonna train. Like everyone tell, it's greener on the other side. 
And that's what they're doing with, with, with Victor. But I just think this is a serious injury to a guy whose game is all about being the peak athlete. That's why he was drafted two overall. It was that's Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna rein in the ball handling. We're gonna get a little bit more of a consistent jump shot, but you can't teach that athlete. Well, now is that athlete there? With that injury. You I know, mean... and, and, and I feel bad for him because it is a horrific injury. There's no precedent whatsoever. But the way he plays the game, he's gotta have it. He's not you know, and this guy's fresh in my mind because I watched him yesterday. He's not Carmelo. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not even Paul George. I mean, those guys are gifted, skilled scores that have beautiful jump shots. Melo's got the greatest mid-range game maybe in NBA history. Paul George is an extremely gifted perimeter scorer who's also six eight and six nine, and so is Melo. They can just shoot over people. Yeah. No, no, no. Vic is a six four. Streaky shooter that is a decent ball handler, but we've never called that his strength. He's got to attack the rim, play with no fear. And there was a play yesterday, and again, this is just fresh my mind. I'm not going to go deep into the scrimmage and act like this is the end-all, be-all. But this is a play that I saw yesterday that I also saw back in the first 13 games of him coming back earlier this year. And um, I think it was Gary Trent maybe was what, what was guarding him. And Victor got by him and got kind of certainly inside the arc, maybe into the lane. And I want to say Zach Collins was protecting the rim. Mm -hmm. And instead of Victor going right at Zach Collins and either trying to finish, finish through him, get to the line, whatever. Who's not very physically imposing either. No, 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 no. Zach Collins is, you know, if TJ Leaf ate a couple burgers. (laughs) It, it, It was Vic stopping waiting for Gary Trent to kind of try and fly into him. And Victor gets called for an offensive foul because he kind of elbows Gary Trent to try and clear space. And it was like, why are you waiting for the guy behind you to initiate contact? When you can go initiate contact, and you're likely to get that call. More Like old Vic, I think, would have attacked the rim. Yeah. And I just think right now there is a question to how – um, confident he is in attacking the rim and finishing there, how much belief he has, trust he has in that part of his game. And maybe this is part of the injury. Maybe this is. But, you know, to be a star in this league, you you know, you got to score at every level. That's That's kind of that sexy phrase everyone says. Well, Victor really has to score at the final level because he's not, again, a dead-eye shooter from three. His mid-range game, I think, has made strides, but it's not like, I mean, what was he, one for five yesterday, I think, inside the arc? I mean, he, he he's not just beautiful floater after beautiful floater like T.J. Warren. He's got to get all the way to the rim, and he's mm-hmm. ultimately got to get to the foul line. Yeah. And that's something we didn't see enough of early in the year. So... Definitely a see a see the ball go into the basket kind of player. Yeah, and just like you know, he needs eight or ten foul shots to make up for the thirty three percent three point shooter that he's probably going to be, which is fine. Um, and and that's my concern, you know. That is my um. Okay. You know, do you get more durability questions with him with this injury moving forward? You know, does he look at DeMontis Savonis and see the foot injury, and does that worry him at all? Um, 
I, I, I'm very eager to watch the Pacers play, and I'm very eager to watch Victor play because Justin Holiday and, and some, some of the Pacers players have talked about in practice. He is attacking the rim. He is finishing through through mm-hmm. contact, all of that. But there's another hurdle to do that through, you know. Again, TJ Leaf and Alize Johnson, and then go do that against guys that don't wear the same color jersey as you. Right. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, 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 I'm just, I have concerns, and it's outside of the PR aspect. For me, there was always rumors, and of course, it's all Twitter talk, so you never know what to believe and what not to believe. And yeah. then, especially like you talked about during quarantine, you got people in your own camp, so we kind of naturally do the same thing. Anything we read can be can be real on the internet. The thought that I that I saw getting thrown around a lot was Victor doesn't want to play, but he wants the extra three million. There will be some sort of injury that happens in the first couple of scrimmage games where he can say, "Eh, I tried." But mm-hmm. I'm gonna sit out. Yeah, that that is fair. I, I my counter to that would be this: Is three million really worth it? Like, and a lot of people be like, "Isn't it funny though that we're like, oh, three million? I know. And, and like again, <laughs> that sounds ludicrous when I look at my paycheck. But hear me out. If he signs the max next summer, that's gonna be what 120 some million. I don't I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's gonna be an absurd amount. Yeah. Three million of one hundred and twenty-five million is what? Oh, you know, two percent, one per. You know, it's not one percent, but you know, like it, it is a very, very small amount on the grand scheme of things. Correct. So, is it worth it? To oh wow, I really want that three million right now, but in the back of my mind, look at you know what Domas has happened to him down there, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that max deal might be gone. And I'm signing a deal for eighty million. And now three million seems like laugh out loud. So yeah. it, it's I'm gonna be interested because the Vic again, I saw yesterday had a lot of rust, which is to be expected, four months off. But if that's the same Vic we see Sunday and the same Vic we see Tuesday in the final two scrimmages, you know, he's been very honest in saying, I know if I play in Orlando and I play bad, you're all going to write about it. Like, mm-hmm. he said that publicly on more, th- more than one occasion. So, how much do these scrimmages matter to him? I, I would think kind of a lot, honestly. I would too. And then if you're the Pacers, if he doesn't play, I mean, do you try and trade him in, that, in the small offseason window that you have? If he does play, then do you say, all right, we're going to hold out hope. We're going to evaluate him next season. Mm-hmm. And then you risk, you run the risk of getting no return with him. Yeah, that that that's the other issue, which again we'll we'll, we'll get into more of that stuff during Twitter questions. But you know, to me, it, it it comes down to this, Chris: Can he get back to being a top 15, 20 player? And those are high expectations. He he was that his first season here was that season the anomaly. Mm-hmm. He was the number two overall pick. I mean, there was high potential there. Um. I don't think so, but I'm eager to watch it because everyone inside the organization and even his own teammates say he looks like a different player in practice. And uh, we'll we'll see what transpires here over the next month. Let's get back to a little bit of your thoughts about the bubble and being down there in Orlando in the game yesterday. What are your thoughts about that lineup? Yeah, you know, I, I am um, – Domas has got to play. Like, you know, it, it just – Watching those starters yesterday, I felt bad because in the pick and roll, 
you know, Alizé Johnson and Jakar Sampson are about as yeah. skilled as you or I. And so, you know, Brogdon and Oladipo and Warren were a bit limited. T.J. Warren just gets you buckets. He, he just flat out gets you buckets. It, it's not the prettiest looking thing, but they just go in. Yep. And you add them up at the end of the game, you're like, wow, he did have 16 or, you know, <laughs> something like that. Um, so, um, obviously, if healthy, you know, Domas, Turner, T.J., uh, Warren, that is, Victor, and and Brogdon. But I, I thought by far the best thing from yesterday was the bench. I mean, they, they just – they play with a fluidity and a pace and a crispness that is um, that's beautiful to watch. Beautiful to watch. Like Justin Holiday and Doug McDermott play so well off TJ McConnell. I, I, I keep on going back to an uh, interview that Dan Dockich had with uh, Greg McDermott. That's his dad's name, right? Yeah. Greg. Uh, the coach Creighton, obviously. And he said something to the effect of, you know, I just want Doug to play with DeMontis Sabonis and TJ McConnell the rest of his career. Because with Domas setting screens and TJ finding guys, it's beautiful basketball. And so if the Pacers can force everyone else to go 10 deep, I like their second unit. Now the problem is when you get to the playoffs, teams are going to shorten their rotations to like eight, you know. And if you're the Pacers, you probably would like to go nine or ten just because that group, again, plays – such, such great basketball. Um, they were really good yesterday, both the Holiday brothers, especially Justin. But Aaron hit a couple threes as well. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest factor to me, Chris, well, non-like Brogdon, Oladipo health and effectiveness will be can your bigs dictate things to their opponents? Right. Because that's the age-old question in today's NBA. Do you go small? What does your four-man look like? The Pacers, which their personnel has kind of pushed them into this corner, they've got to go with their bigs. They've got to play Domas and Miles together in some capacity. So do you all of a sudden dominate in the half court to a degree to say, all right, you guys come come guard us more? Like, or, you know, you play in Boston and you're chasing Gordon Hayward around. And it's not good. Yeah, like that. That will be a big, big storyline for me. So, um, Sabonis has got to play. I like that. I do think the Pacers are a really self-motivated bunch, and I think that matters down there. Um, and obviously, lineups are very predicated on just Victor availability, and then Domas and the whole plantar fasciitis. For me personally, I think what doesn't help Vic is yesterday knowing that Domas wasn't going to play. And again, we had heard that he had the plantar fasciitis and it was kind of already you know, determined that he wasn't going to play yesterday. Right. We've seen the Pacers without Victor. Without Domas, it's, I think, oh, even yeah. more of a completely different team. It's a good point you bring up. And, and, you know, a lot of people want to say, well, look at Victor's, you know, the Pacers record without Victor earlier this season. I mean, Jeremy Lamb was playing, and, and that was a big deal. You know, you were able to spread the floor a little bit better, honestly. You didn't have that on-ball creator yeah. that Victor can be, but you were able to sp- spread it. But Domas is um, – he gives that group pace. And he gives that group pace bet- with more so not with, like, I'm the fastest dude dribbling the ball up the floor, like – you know, TJ McConnell, like that's kind of his yeah. thing. But Domas is watch my ball movement, watch my ability to set screens, watch my ability to read dribble handoffs. Like, 
that is an incredible skill. Yeah. And I and I have said this before, I think on this podcast, but certainly on our airwaves. DeMontis Sabonis is one of the most skilled big guys in the NBA who doesn't rely on a 27-foot jump shot and isn't, you know, above the rim like Andre Drummond. He is just I mean, it is the prototypical European yep. son of Arvidas, high basketball IQ. It's beautiful to watch. And when he's not on the floor, and we saw that yesterday, you just like get a little bit stagnant because Brogdon is not blown by anybody. Mm-hmm. That's just not his game. Warren is old school. And Oladipo, while he has some explosiveness, and like Victor still looks healthy to me. Like, I don't think he's favoring anything or like limping or anything like that. He just doesn't have the amount of gears. And I don't think he knows how to use all his gears right now. Like there's something to be said for, and I think of the scene in mighty ducks all the time where they had the, uh, (laughs) Luis Mendoza who, um, God, what's the old dude's name? Is it Hans? Hans. Yeah. Hans tells Luis to, yeah. RIP Hans. Um, Tells Luis to you got to learn how to stop when you're skating. They set up all those cans and mm-hmm. you know try to get him to stop. <laughs> like that's almost Victor to me right now. Like I I feel like he's got moments where the straight line speed is is you know at a peak, but it's stopping, controlling, and then finishing. That's that's a lot. So um. So yeah, um, I don't know where I was going with that. We started on DeMontis Sabonis, I guess. No, it's fair. and, and just They put, need Domas, flat they, out. They do. And going back to your point, I love the fact, and I think pure basketball fans and Indiana basketball fans will, will love the fact that you talked about how he makes the pace go. There's nothing more frustrating for me as a fan to watch players just stagnant and just stand and watch yeah. and, and no movement. Sorry, I yawned. Yes. And he does that. Like, he will – or doesn't do that. He will – Read the offense, and if there's nothing there, he'll screen away. He'll yes. drop down. He'll come up and pick. Like he's always moving to keep them churning, which I love. Always, always, always moving. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it is. It, it's really pretty to watch. So they obviously need that back. We'll see with that injury how that goes. And um, I think we had a. I believe we had a little bit of that in Twitter questions that uh, that that we can dive into. Yeah, let's jump right into them, Jonathan. Right, right off the bat. Is Victor playing? Man. Boy, we aren't we aren't easing it easing into these, are we? No shoehorn. I'm just no. going right into them. Okay, that's fair. It is Friday morning. Um, I think so. You know, his camp clearly leaked something to Shams last week about the optimism of him playing, and then Victor later confirmed that. You don't do that if you aren't confident, you know? Like mm-hmm. that's Victor's people saying something so you know maybe me trying to read victor's people is a game that i don't want to play considering what we've dealt with in the last month but um i think he does and and, you know maybe it is again scaled back from a minutes restriction standpoint i mean yesterday what he played three six or seven minute segments i mean that's 20 minutes i mean that that seemed like a fair that that was a little bit more than i thought i probably thought more around 15 minutes only a 40 minute game which is what Nate, Nate said he wants to give him 20 minutes. So. Right, and he played the same as Brogdon and Warren. It's not like he was limited with, with the other starters. Um, but I, I go back to what I said earlier, Chris. I think how he looks in these scrimmages is a real thing, and obviously how he feels, you know, how he reacts to these scrimmages. For what it's worth, he did say yesterday after the game he felt better after yesterday's game than he felt after his first game back 
what was that, Chicago maybe, uh, yep. back in January. Mm-hmm. So, you know, clearly seven months of difference has made a little progress physically. Question from Colin, who, by the way, loves the podcast and your weekly smackdown of listeners who insist on blowing up the Colts' offensive line. Um, <laughs> Colin's the man. I love Colin. Wants to know, on a scale of 1 to 10, if you're the Pacers' front office, how comfortable would you feel paying Oladipo the max in dollars that he's looking for? I love these questions. I love the 1 to 10 scales. When I'm hosting, I love to throw these type of questions, I guess. Okay, read that to me one more time. On a scale from 1 to 10, if you're the Pacers' front office, how comfortable would you feel paying Oladipo the max in dollars that he's looking for? Two. Two. I mean, I, I can't. I mean, max in dollars. That, that that's, that's the full shebang, Chris. Mm-hmm. That ain't, you know, here's four for 85, and you're going to get paid a little bit more than Brogdon and Turner and, and Belmont. No, no, no. That's, I mean, that is, no. I just, um. And honestly, the only reason I say two is because the Pacers are in a small market and I don't have great answers for what else you should do. Mm-hmm. I don't. But I go back to what I said earlier. Is Victor Oladipo a top 15 or 20 player? I don't know how many players in the league have max contracts. There can't be more than, what, 20-ish? I, I, I wouldn't imagine more than that, no. You know, maybe, maybe less. Um, so, is he that? Is he capable of being that for the, you know longevity of that five-year deal and I say no you you know part of me is I want to see Victor and Brogdon together I do because I think it is a two guys that when healthy their skill sets can complement each other well and I think they both have the right mindset to a degree Brogdon especially for this market of a team but I really worry about their health such a valid point because I think we forget or the 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 casual or average fan like myself forgets we've not really seen Victor and Brogdon together nope. that that often. And that's why I'm so looking forward to Orlando. Yeah. I think I looked it up earlier. This this starting lineup, the starting lineup that you expect when healthy, Oladipo, Brogdon, Warren, Sabonis, Turner. I want to say they played the like 39th most minutes of any combination for the Pacers this season. Wow. It's just, we just haven't seen it. Now, we we've always worried about Brogdon's injuries. I think that was a reason why the Bucks were like, okay, we can do this. We can let go of him because he's missing seemingly a quarter of the season every year. Like Victor, it's just this is not Tony Parker and this injury. And mm-hmm. so I just um I would be worried about the return on that, Colin. It it just and I get it. There are not Many guys knocking down the Pacers' door to come back. But if I'm tying my hands contractually, franchise-wise, to that deal, and I'm getting a player that I don't think can be a top 15 or 20 player, I'm stunting my franchise. I'm holding this franchise back from potentially doing something different, something that will be difficult to achieve, but something different, Mm -hmm. to try and get to the level that is needed. And so... Again, I know that that probably won't be a popular answer for fans, but that's where I'm at, guys. From Trenton, the Pacers have been linked to Aaron Gordon for a while. With Victor's future in the air, he believes that the Pacers could use the fringe all-star to develop him better than Orlando to help keep Vic. What would it take to get him, though? Can't trade a first, and they won't want another big. 
Yeah, Trenton, you know, uh, Gordon was kind of the debate we had a few years ago. of Do you give Thaddeus Young, you know, a new deal or you know, do you try and go get an Aaron Gordon? I was probably more team Gordon because I think he has a higher ceiling. Maybe mm-hmm. he's not as consistent as Thad, but to me, again, I come back to this point of when you're in this market, you've got to take some chances, and that would have been a chance in my eyes. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily like with Victor, that's a health chance that I'm not willing to take. With Gordon, it's a no. He's a former lottery pick that, you know, you you finally get him out of Orlando, and who knows? Yep. Um, what would it take to get him? Th- that's the toughest question. Obviously, they don't want a big. They've got thirty five of them, like you said, Trenton, <laughs> and you don't have a first round pick. So I don't know what you would do to give him. Um, but that's kind of what I'm looking for, Chris. Is like that. That stretch-ish four where, like, you can't leave them wide open who can rebound, guard multiple spots. That That's what I envision as a missing piece. Yep. From John, are the Pacers cursed? Anytime something good happens for us, our best players get hurt or then they leave us. Also, would you rather see the Pacers tank for a top three pick or continue playoff success but get a middle-round pick? Is this how Pacers fans think? I mean... That's really doom and gloom. I mean, like, okay, Paul gets hurt, but, like, Victor hasn't left yet. I mean, who? I mean, Reggie Miller played here for a long, long time. Jermaine O'Neal, did he get hurt? I don't know. I guess he battled. I mean, obviously you have the brawl. Yeah, but Reggie did. Exactly, but the brawl. That's I think that's where he comes <laughs> in with the curse. Like, every time we ride on the doorstep, something happens. Like, did if we... you don't trade Granger and oh, keep yeah, Evans Granger, for Evan Turner, yeah. like... No, that is fair. Okay, maybe maybe you're right, John. Have you you and I might have talked about this off air, if not on air? Uh, have we talked about the Ron Artest documentary? Yes. Yeah, my my brother in law Ross mentioned that I should watch it. Tremendous for those of you. It got a lot of brawl aspect to it. It might bring up some bad memories for some people, but I found it interesting stuff I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal, much more of a contentious relationship than I ever knew. So, side note, if people are looking for something to watch right now, I forget what it's called. But um, look that up, actually, if you don't mind. The Ron Artest documentary. Um, you know, first off, let's be fair, John. The Pacers have had some really nice success as a franchise. You know, a lot of people will probably love the fact that, you know, in my lifetime, they haven't drafted in a single-digit spot. They haven't drafted one through nine. Yeah. What's the Ron documentary called? It is called Quiet Storm, the Ron Artest story. Yeah. Must watch. Um so, you know, people will love that. Like, they always have a chance to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's appealing to a lot of people. Now, some people will say, I want something bigger. Like, I would rather have the hope of, all right, we're playing Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, here we go. You know, the ball's being tossed up, and, we, and we've got a chance versus, you know, okay, 48 and 38 and, mm-hmm. you know, losing six games in the first round. Like, and right now the Pacers are probably in this they're probably in one of their worst playoff success runs in quite some time. They haven't won a first round series in five years. Yeah. That doesn't happen for this franchise quite often. So I don't like tanking. I don't. I know you kinda have to do that in the NBA to a degree. I don't like watching tanking teams play basketball. Um but I also don't 
like the fact that you always know where this team's ceiling is. And recently, I feel like we've we we've been there. I will say this, John: tanking for a top three pick is very aggressive. Something this franchise will never do under current ownership. But like, Steph wasn't a top three pick. Giannis wasn't a top three pick. Kawhi wasn't a top three. Like, there are success stories in the league without having a top three pick. You're gonna have to hit on some sort of lottery pick to make this work, yep. which I know is tough. But you hit on Paul George. Like Paul George is a hit. You identified a talented player late in the lottery, and you picked him. So, yeah, that's why I was a fan of drafting Goga. Because I'm like, oh, here's this international guy that probably has a high ceiling <laughs> compared to these college players who you kind of know what you're getting to right. a degree with them. So, um, I don't know. Can I find a happy medium? Like, not outright tanking, but... And some people will be like, who cares if you're tanking for the 10th pick or the third pick? Get me as high as you can go. That's why I have been a fan of, in the past, saying Trey Turner for a top three pick. Or, uh, sorry, that is that sounds very aggressive for the return. Last year, the Pelicans, I believe, were offering the fourth pick for, or at least that was a rumor, Turner for the fourth pick. Yeah. I would have done it. Yeah, I, you have to. Right? I mean, now some people are like, well, no, it was for the Pelicans. I think he had the 10th pick. Maybe it was for that pick or something like that. It's you know, I probably would trade Turner for a lottery pick wherever it is in lottery right now. No questions asked. Setting the pace, asked this question this week. What is your gut feeling on how the Pacers go about building this team for the future? If Vic tells Kevin Pritchard that he's committed for the 2020-21 season, but he would like the team to add another star level player, what type of trade package would it take to get that star? Well, and shout out to the guys over setting the pace to do an awesome job over there. Um, that question sounds impossible to me. It just, they want a star. Like, you know, if Vic tells Kevin Pritchard, I need a star, and I've and you've got one year, mm-hmm. what are you giving up? I mean, is Miles getting you a star back? Like, you don't have a first-round pick. Who the hell are you trading? I don't know who you could package because you're – potentially blowing up your team for the next three to five years. But like is is a is a package of Aaron Holiday and and Jeremy Lamb, is that and Miles like Aaron Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and Miles Turner. Seems somewhat expendable, somewhat intriguing to people. Like kind of. Okay, is that getting me an all star? Maybe. But that's about it. That's like the only package I get. And I'm thinking of this off the top of my head. I don't know. Maybe there's some, you know, something else. But and that's only if you hope Goga can step into my like you're right. trading away pieces that you For have sure. to hope that people behind them can come in and fill their yeah. shoes. Goga taking a step forward has got to happen. It's got to happen. I mean, you, you've TJ Leafs as good as you or me. You know, Aaron Aaron Holiday. What, what is Aaron Holiday? Is he is he Aaron Brooks? Is he is he? Uh, you know, is he Mo Williams? That's I mean, you would kill for that. Like, what is he? Is he a microwave yeah. off the bench, or is he a guy that will shoot nine threes and hit two or three a game? So I I don't I don't know what what you would do. I and then also, you know, Vic tells Kevin Pritchard he's committed for 2020, 2021. I, I that, that's not enough for me. That's one year, Vic. You better be committed. It's a contract year. Mm-hmm. Are you committed beyond that? That's the bigger issue. From Drew, factoring in that Vic apparently doesn't like McMillan and we are still trying to resign him, Nate has to reach blank to keep his job. 
Yeah, Drew, this is a good question. Um, I I don't think I they could go zero and eight in Orlando, and I really don't, and lose, and I guess get swept, and I really don't. Well, that's losing twelve straight games. Maybe he'll get fired then. But basically, I I don't think he gets fired. I think Kevin Pritchard loves him, and I'm a bit torn on Nate. You know, I look at the pace for success earlier this season without Vic, and I'm like, that's damn impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're on pace to win, what, 50-some games without Victor? I mean, that's that's really, really impressive. But then I look at his playoff resume, Chris, and I'm like, oh, my God, did Marvin Lewis get cloned? <laughs> like, I, have you ever looked up Nate McMillan's playoff resume? I've not. Shall I right now? I know it because I'm filling in for 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 Dan on Monday and and but yeah, go ahead, pull it up, pull it up, pull it up. Um, basically, this is Nate's 16th season as an NBA head coach. How many playoff series do you think he's won? Before you look it up, he's coached in the league for 16 years, and he's made the playoffs eight times. I'd hope four. I'd hope half. One. Oon. Really? One playoff series. One and eight all time in the playoffs. Like, when does that start, you know, becoming a trend? You know, oh boy, this is uh this is not just an anomaly. It's lost in the first round. Lost in the first lost in the first I mean it's it's not ideal. So um do you have it up there? I do. Some really good Portland teams in there too. Really good Portland teams. Read them off. Give me the get, get, give me all the series and more of the games. You know, four two, four one. What, what you know? So the one on ESPN.com has um, it just goes in terms of teams, playoff wins, playoff losses. So it doesn't give me the actual teams that they were playing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but with the SuperSonics in O two, two wins, three losses. O five, six wins. Five losses, uh, 09 with the Trailblazers, two wins, four losses, two wins, four losses, two wins, four losses for the next three seasons. Coming to Indiana, playoff wins, two, losses, zero, um, which that makes – actually, you know what? This makes no sense. No, no, no. That, that, that's right. You know, when they came to Indiana, they got swept by the Cavs, right? Zero. Zero wins. Okay. And then the next year, you've lost Six. The, you lost the seven-game series to the Cavs. Yep. And then Last year got swept. Yep. So I mean, competitive in some of those Boston series. You said you rattled off a bunch of two win series there. What do you think I mean, that is? Subbing or I, I don't know, man. Or? You know, a lot of people say you know Nate wears teams down. You know, he's he, Sarge was his nickname back in the back in the. Um, uh, so Pacific, did Bobby Knight. I mean, get over Pacific it. Northwest. Yeah, it's just today's NBA is a little bit different. It's just, um, and, and I also sit here and I think, man, they're hard to evaluate when Paul says goodbye. And then Vic gets hurt. Like, it, it, right. it is a little, obviously one of those playoff series. You didn't have Victor. So, um, I'm not, like, a full believer in, like, the Larry Bird, your voice gets tired after three years. I, I don't like the Vogel firing for that. I think that's terrible reasoning. Um, you know, Coach K wanted Nate McMillan on Team USA. Does that mean something? I mean, clearly he's pretty respected to a degree. But I also am like, is he a bit archaic? Doesn't want to play with – well, doesn't want to get up a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. They don't shoot a lot of threes. They don't play with great pace. He always talks about playing with pace, but they don't play with a ton of pace. 
How much is that personnel driven? How much is that coaching driven? I don't think he'll be fired, but I, I, I do think he is in a contract year. Um, I don't know. I'd probably run it back one more year, but again, am I just sitting here with a mediocre coach? Who knows? Sobro Pacer fan, is TJ Leaf the worst basketball player in the NBA? He's up there, man. I mean, he is. He's uh, he's probably top three. Seriously. You see his hairdo yesterday? I did him and uh, McBuckets with the, the little band and the long quarantine hair. I can't believe he still gets run, TJ. I can't. I mean, I'm just – and, of course, you know, every, everyone will be like, what could the Pacers have got in that draft? John Collins the pick after him. OG Ananobi a few picks later. Kuzma, yep. you know, later in round one. But, yeah, TJ Leafs. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Did not hit on that one, and that goes back to your, you know, the question a couple questions ago, just about tanking or or not. As long as you hit on the pick, it doesn't matter. And we did definitely did not hit on. And, and I get it. The NBA drafts a crapshoot. It's difficult to hit on picks year in year out. But in this market, if you're not hitting picks on a more consistent basis, yep, throw in the towel. Kev, Steve wants to thank you for all that you do for indie sports fans. I appreciate that, Steve. Thank you. It's my. My pleasure, man. If Oladipo and Sabonis do not play, who do you think most benefits on the Pacers, and what do you think we learn about him slash them? Well, you know, I talked about it earlier. Aaron Holiday would be a huge beneficiary of Victor Oladipo decide not to play. I, I wrote about it when Victor first said he wasn't going to play um, because you got to find out what you have in Aaron Holiday. You know T.J. Lisa miss. Well, what about Aaron? He struggled a little bit. He started for Brogdon, you know, right before the break when Brogdon mm -hmm. had the quad issue. But it's like, what is Holiday? Is he better on the ball? Is he better off the ball? I tend to think he's a little better off the ball. Again, is he Aaron Brooks was the name I threw out there earlier? Like, what, what is he? Is he a seventh or eighth guy for his entire career, or is he a potential starter? Because he's also, I mean, let me let me look up how old he is. I mean, he's got to be. He's young because he came out, what, after three years? He played at UCLA. He'll turn 24 in September. You know, I mean, that's like – it's not like he came out after freshman year. I mean, that's it's not old, but it's not young, young for some NBA draft picks. Mm. Um, what I'm getting at is, you know, he played in the Pac-12 for three years. You should probably know what you have in him now at this point in the NBA. If Sabonis doesn't play, you just throw in the towel. I mean, like, who are you evaluating the front court? I mean – Goga, right? But Goga hasn't practiced since yeah. he got down there. He's got a knee issue. So I, I Alze Johnson, Jakar Sampson, uh, you know, TJ Leaf, none of those guys should be in your rotation. And, and I thought you, Sampson had a beautiful move yesterday on kind of a step through finish with the left. But I mean, those guys should be fringe rotation players on a playoff team. Yeah, they are what they are. And to your point about throwing in the towel, Matt wants to know: Will Domas be ready for the? Will be ready to play by the playoffs? It doesn't sound promising. If Vic does not play, who is Pritchard, Pritchard's first phone call to free agent-wise? I, I really don't think he makes any call. Like it's, I really don't think you're adding a free agent that does anything for you. If you really, really were trying to do something, you would have cut you know, one of your back-end-of-the-roster guys, told Jeremy Lamb not to come down to Orlando, and signed a free agent. Mm -hmm. So I really don't on the Victor front. Domas, you know, if there's a guy on this team that's going to play through injury— I'd probably put Domas atop the list. But, dude, plantar fasciitis is nothing to just sneeze at. That's no. That can linger, especially for big guys. And if you're Domas and if you're the Pacers, you also got to say, 
next season is somewhat right around the corner. You don't want to impact that. So I don't know if we're there yet, but um, I, I, I have questions, Matt. I think he will play, but that's just because I believe in him. Colts fan and Cincy talking about guys to potentially pick up who everyone around here would love. Can we build a statue of Lance Stevenson in front of Banker's Life Fieldhouse? <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, a statue of Lance should go up in the upper deck. You know, <laughs> put a big uh, ice sculpture of a cotton candy man, and that could be Lance. Those are his people. Yeah. You know, th- they pay $10 to come in there to watch Lance. That's, that's the He's worth the price of admission for the $10 ticket. It's got to be like a misting fan, right? Just him like blowing and then <laughs> everything out of it's a misting fan. That would be great. That would be great. From Jake, why are there continuous rumors of Nate being a reason for stars leaving slash potentially leaving? Yeah, again, Jake, do I go to like the earlier question? Like, is he too harsh? Is he too – it's not like he practices crazy during the – I think he caters to players to a degree. It's It was funny yesterday when the bench came out and Nate McMillan fist-pounded all five of them when they came out and they had that great run mm-hmm. where they flipped the score. I've, I don't think I've ever seen them high-five a player coming out of the game, or at least not multiple players like that. I think it was just like <laughs> this bench unit was. Our starters look like hell, and you guys yep. just saved the day. But I don't know. I I mean, I don't think Paul George left because Nate McMillan became the head coach. I don't think so either. From Tony, how deep do we go in the playoffs with or without Victor? With Vic, with a good Vic, I think you can win a series. I think you need to play Miami. I guess that's key. I don't like Boston or Philly in round one. Without him, yeah, fire up the jet, I think. It's just, you know, I, I don't. I don't see them winning a series, no. Should Indiana re-sign Justin Holiday to a two- to three-year contract? That's from Indiana Pavers. Yes. Oh, yeah. Justin, he's your only free agent, significant one. Yeah, I, I love his presence. I wish Aaron Holiday had a little bit of his steadiness. I wish his brother had a little bit of his. Mm-hmm. I just, Justin Holiday gets it, man. Knows how to play the game. Knows his role. Um, love listening to him. Yeah, Justin Holiday fills a great eighth-man role for you. I can't remember who he was on with. It was either JMV. I think JMV right when he got signed. And that just his uh, his experience, you yeah. could tell, was just seeping out of he, his every answer. He's a professional basketball player. Exactly. You know, he's played overseas. Yes. You know, he's he, he's been through some shit. Um, yeah, the Holiday family, that's a good bunch. You know, Drew's married to Lauren Chaney, the, the um, Ben Davis soccer star, one of my dad's favorite students. When he was there, I saw Drew's donating his entire check yeah. to social injustice. I think five issues. million. Yeah, nearly five mil. I mean, um, but I just think Justin. He there's a reason he's closed out games this year for this team. Like Nate McMillan's got a lot of trust as he should. Mm-hmm. Last question for this week's Twitter questions for the Pacers Pod: JJ, some college football stars are sitting out bowl games to protect their brand and avoid injury. Some NBA stars are asking for trades or sitting out for quote-unquote injuries, such as PG, Kawhi Leonard, Victor, last in their last year of their contract. Do you see this as a developing trend where stars will routinely sit out, or is this part of the last year of a contract? Well, I don't know if people are sitting out the last year of their contract, JJ. That seems a little—I don't think we've seen that flat out. You know, players maybe demanding a trade or demanding something to happen is, is different than flat out sitting out. Um, I'll say this. Load of management ain't going anywhere. 
I hate to say that, but it's it's like these are present day athletes, and that sucks, and I hate it. But I'm sorry. Like I think that's that's the norm, man. It's just I I don't want it to be that way, but you know it's only going to build. Players are only going to get more leverage and more leverage, and people are going to be in their ear more and more. And uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I mean, it's funny whether you talk about the load management. All of these players, and respectively so, praised Kobe recently. Kobe. you, you're going to try and sit Kobe? You think Kobe's right, ever going to sit? Right, right. Yeah, I would like to see a little bit more killer instinct in, in some of these guys. Um, see some more TJ Warrens. You know, see some more Justin Holidays. Honestly, those are two guys that, that, that have it. And it just it seems like when you get to the star level, you want to that, – that's unfair because you have to have a lot of drive to be a great player. But, like, I don't know. People start controlling you a little bit more. I think that's happening with uh with old Vic. Is that all of them? That's all of it. All right, I had two that just chimed in here on Twitter. Okay. Urban. Urban says, what do you think the ceiling is for TJ Warren? With better defense and less injuries, I think he can be at least a top small forward when it's all over. Urban, I, I think TJ Warren can be, like, whoever is, like, that next line of all-star, I think that's TJ Warren. You know, consistent jump shot, Chris. That's probably the biggest thing for him. That dude flat out scores. Yep. And he's always done it. I've told this before. I watched him a ton of NC State. I mean, he's always done that. But um, still, I, I his defense and his jump shot, I think, will always hold him back from being an all-star. But he's, like, right there. He He's, like, he's a very good player on a pretty good basketball team. And I think that's, that's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, and Sam asked about um, – just the best matchup for the playoffs, which I think it's Miami. So, and with Warren, <laughs> Warren oh Butler. Warren and Butler, oh yeah. yeah, 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 it's a great call. Almost forgot about that. We'd love to see that. Well, that's our Pacers pod for everybody. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, depending on how the playoffs unfold, depending on how Orlando unfolds, we'll probably come back with another one at some point. And uh, we do have Pacers written content up on the site. I know sometimes our numbers don't indicate that, but. <laughs> We do. Um, I, I write after every game, a couple takeaways from every game, and I think it's somewhat insightful. Maybe it's not. Um, but, yeah, check that out. I'll be doing that after the scrimmage on Sunday and then the scrimmage again on Tuesday and then a week from tomorrow, a week from Saturday, Pacers and Sixers. A- and team sports, Pacers basketball, watching that, getting more of evaluation, those things, like, I love it, man. So do I. I love it. Just please don't screw it up. Like, please, everyone behave. Oh, <laughs> I know. That's just ludicrous for me to ask for, but come on. Please. Figure it out. Figure it out. Thank you. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Thank you all for listening. Colts pod next week. Probably earlier in the week. I think we're going to shoot for Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, don't think there will be a lot of big news next week from the Colts. I think it will be a slow integration into camp with what we've seen with kind of testing and isolating and things like that. So um, doing a lot of hosting on our station next week. So probably a maybe a late Monday afternoon pod, and then uh, that will probably be all for next week. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe. And uh, we'll be back to you. We will be back next week with another edition of Kevin's Corner.